welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter, and I'm the editor in chief of Fine Biometrics, where we are celebrating our 17th annual year in review. Throughout January on ID Talk, we will be interviewing biometrics and identity industry leaders about the major milestones, not just in the past year, but also the previous decade. That's why on this latest episode, I am excited to welcome Jeff Brown, Vice President of Sales for Secugen, a specialist and pioneer in optical fingerprint biometrics technology. We begin our discussion on the topic of the decade in biometrics, specifically about how Secugen has evolved over the past 10 years. We talk about the maturing of biometrics in general and the major industry milestones that helped bring us to today. We go on to discuss the fingerprint market in particular and how it changed in the wake of Apple's historic Touch ID launch before specifically delving into Secugen's 2019, which saw the company launch its first fully programmable Bluetooth fingerprint reader and the world's smallest programmable fingerprint module. We conclude with a preview of what's next for Secugen as we enter a new year. So without further ado, here is Secugen's Jeff Brown on the ID Talk podcast. I'm joined today by Jeff Brown, Vice President of Sales for Secugen. Jeff, thank you for joining me on the ID Talk podcast. My pleasure, Peter. I want to start on the topic of our year in review theme, a decade of biometrics. With a history stretching back to 1998, Secugen is a longtime leader in optical fingerprint recognition technology. With this decade now coming to an end, how would you say Secugen has evolved along with the mainstreaming of biometric technology we saw in the past 10 years? Well, I think, you know, we're similar to some of our competitors. We've uh, grown during this time and extended our reach around the globe. Um, As you may know, we have a channel-driven strategy. We don't sell to end users, but to uh, systems integrators, software companies, and hardware manufacturers, OEMs. And um, so, you know, we've continued to push into those channels and um, continue to execute our strategy, which is uh, to relentlessly drive the cost of our products down while uh, keeping very high quality. That's basically where we're at. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be part and parcel with what we've been seeing in the industry at large. This is a big question, but from your perspective, What were some of the key moments of this decade that helped Secugen become the company it is today? Um, You know, that's a hard one for me to to answer, but uh, I'd say one thing is uh, setting up Secugen India, which was uh, something we did a few years ago. That uh, that market in India is enormous. They have a national ID called Adhar, and a great uh, many projects are driven off of that database. We've been strong in India since our inception, really. I think uh, very first year we were in business, we started doing business in India. And it uh, has grown year by year. And uh, now that we have Secugen India, we have a great uh, platform to penetrate that market. And we've been doing that. Um, You know, I think also um, one of our product strategies uh, has paid off handsomely. Um, in the old days, we had these OEM sensors where we had a board, a cable, and a big honking sensor. And we, we made that sensor much smaller. Our uh, U10 and U20 sensors are uh, much, much smaller than those older sensors. And we put the board 
on the sensor. So we created our own little single board computer, programmable, Linux programmable environment, and we mounted it on the sensor. And that, that strategy um, is so versatile that it's allowed us and our partners to build a great many products and to broaden and expand our product line, which is one of the things we've been doing over the last few years, continually broadening our product line. Yeah, and that uh, that everything in one place scenario really <clears throat> seems like a great strategy to to attack uh, the vertical markets with. In a broader sense, how have biometrics matured over the past ten years, and what new challenges do you see emerging in the industry at large? Well, you know, I think um, one of the key places uh, that to see the maturity is basically acceptance of biometrics, which is uh, tremendously different now than it was when we started. Uh, we used to laugh that uh, we thought in the earliest days of the industry, now I'm talking almost 20 years ago, uh, when we had a 500 unit order, we thought uh, that was enormous. And today there's there are 500,000 unit orders <laughs> that are floating <laughs> around. So things have changed quite a bit. You know, the challenges I think uh, remain the same and um, and that's still acceptance. Um, and it depends on where in the world you're talking about. Um, you know, I think it's different in different places. Uh, we've, we've come a long way, but we're not completely there. I think, uh, you know, uh, f certain failures that companies have had and uh, that that's those have uh, been challenges uh, lately. I think uh, there's a very uh, infamous <laughs> failure, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, the Qualcomm slash um, Samsung, their failure, the fake finger or live finger detection failure. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, those kinds of things set us back a little bit from time to time. Um, and I think, you know, others have challenges with that uh, as well. So mm -hmm. do you mind uh, talking a little bit more about that liveness detection topic there? Because I, th I agree with you that that is a big challenge. Um, how does how does Secugen uh, position itself in terms of dealing with the liveness equation. Well, we have uh, first of all, we you know built into our sensors is a touch chip that senses a finger. So that's our first level of uh, live finger or fake finger, live finger detection, fake finger rejection, however you want to uh, discuss it. Um, but beyond that, we also license an algorithm from a third party, which has uh, is trained um, to recognize and reject certain. Uh, materials. But uh, I think um, the way we talk about this uh, is important because I think we have to set expectations among users. And I think it's very important for people to understand that nothing is perfect mm -hmm. and that a fingerprint reader is one part of a security solution, not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that there are always trade-offs. And I think, you know, for example, one of our competitors, Lumadime, I think they have, uh, they make they make uh, a big deal about their being able to reject fake fingers. And I think they have a, a technology that's able to do that very well. But that same technology is unable to get a PIV certification. So there, there, there are pluses and minuses um, when, when you look at this, this topic. Just sticking on this topic, because you, you brought up some interesting things in there. Uh, there are two I want to sort of delve into a little bit more. One is when it comes to 
these ideas how important is is industry certification regulation do you feel like there's a need in the industry for for something a little bit more focused on liveness or fake finger rejection you know i i i think the jury's out i think this is partly based on technology what is possible you know how good can people make the ability to reject fake fingers and not cause a problem by rejecting real fingers you know there's mm -hmm. all, there's typically a trade off between the two and um so i think i think technology and the state of technology has a lot to do with this and nothing is, as i say nothing is perfect we we keep improving the industry does um and i think we will continue to do so i think it's an evolution mm -hmm. and and Absolutely. you know just like uh, in a in a security system i i, I always say um you don't only rely on a fingerprint reader. Um, you make sure nobody can see passwords and, you know, there's all kinds of measures you take. And if you're guarding gold at Fort Knox, you probably have facial recognition in addition to fingerprint and a guard with a gun at the door. So, you know, all, all of these things are taken together. And um, so when you're looking at uh, fingerprint readers and their ability to reject uh, fake fingers. I think uh, we don't have perfection and we shouldn't expect perfection, but it, we just have to remember it's one part of a larger system. Obviously, there are um, spoofs of vertical market technology that we need to worry about and the scalability, but the ones that we hear about are like the, the Qualcomm Samsung one or whenever Apple's technology gets spoofed. How much of this is really just about educating the public in terms of making sure that they understand what you were just saying, that there are different levels of security required for different levels of risk. Um, well, and, I, I think, yeah. I think it's both. I think we, you know, it's an educational challenge, but I also, as I said before, think it's a technological challenge. I think we can mm -hmm. get better at detecting and rejecting uh, spoofs. Um, but I think at the same time, we're, uh, as I've also said, we're never going to be perfect. Um, yeah. It's impossible. And uh, so therefore, I think education plays a very important role as well. SecuGen is the world's leading provider of advanced optical fingerprint recognition technology and products known and valued for their high quality, innovative design, and affordability. SecuGen products include the Hamster Pro line and the Unity line of fingerprint scanners, as well as OEM fingerprint systems that are delivered as ultra-compact, standalone devices. SecuGen's newest products include the Unity 20 Bluetooth, the world's first elegantly designed, low-cost, fully programmable Bluetooth wireless fingerprint reader that is FBI certified for FAP20. The Unity 20 Bluetooth fingerprint reader is compatible with Windows, Android, and iOS, and is designed for both mobile and desktop use. Visit secugen.com for more information. And now, back to the podcast. So I'd like to move on specifically to talk about the fingerprint biometric space. Secugen really is a leader in the advanced optical fingerprint recognition. What markets are the most enthusiastic about adopting fingerprint biometrics today? You know, I, I'm going to disappoint you here because, as I mentioned, we're channel-driven. Mm -hmm. And the contact that we have every day is with our channel partners, our OEMs, ISVs, VARs, and systems integrators. And um, so it's hard for me to talk about 
where you know what end user markets um, are warming up. I, I typically you know don't view the world that way, um, I, but I can tell you where I know that um, in the recent past uh, there have been some huge wins, um, and that for example is in the uh, SIM card authentication space. And the, this is around the world now, because as you know, we're yeah. a worldwide uh, uh, seller of, uh, of fingerprint technology. Um, so the authentication of SIM cards and cell phones, that's huge in several countries. National ID programs drive uh, an enormous amount of spending on biometrics. Um, we're seeing an application called fleet management, which we've gotten uh, a number of large wins on. Also, distribution of government benefits, and that relates to national ID programs. That's that's a huge driver of uh, biometrics. So, you know, I, while I can't, you know, that's what I've been seeing. I really can't tell you where things are going. You know, what we try to do is to provide the tools to our channel partners that are not uh, focused on individual markets, but are that can be used um, in virtually any market. And that's what we that's what we try to do. Well, and that makes uh, a lot of sense, especially for something um, so uh, potentially ubiquitous as fingerprint biometrics, because you know identity is something that everybody has, and it doesn't have to be relegated to a single market. I think it's interesting that you brought up fleet management. Do you see fingerprint sensors um, and fingerprint biometrics playing more of a role in uh, now that? 5G technologies are, are coming about? Because uh, for, for listeners who, who aren't aware of the, um, the term, fleet management refers to transportation. That's enabled by new connectivity technologies. You see more automotive space applications opening up? Um, well, I think there's a lot of things mixed together in that question. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, 5G and, and communications in general, yes, that facilitates various markets, not just fleet management, but um, even uh, one I mentioned before, distribution of benefits for government, because we're talking about uh, in the field type uh, projects. And, um, you know, good communications will, uh, will help those markets all grow. Um, in terms of automotive, um, there's a lot of companies working on that. We've been approached by many and um, there's some tremendous challenges, and, and in part, that's the temperature inside uh, a car that's out in the sun. Uh, they can get so hot um, that um, you have to build a special sensor. So there are, you know, there's some issues there. Also, it has to be, you know, it has to be well thought through. There has to be a backup plan in case something doesn't work. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that for several years we've been being approached, yet I don't see too many implementations out there. So, you know, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure where that market is going. I can't mm -hmm. say. I was very optimistic about it uh, a couple of years ago, but I'm not so sure anymore, having some doubts. Mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely fair. Uh, it's I think it's perhaps a little too nascent uh, to to really talk about it, especially when you go to these auto shows, and a lot of the biometric implementations are in futuristic concept cars, and you know right. not the twenty. I'm with you on that, Peter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Um, so you know, speaking of uh, 
mainstream technologies, you know, like cars, I think it's fair to say that Apple's launch of Touch ID in 2013 really introduced fingerprint biometrics to the average consumer. How did that industry milestone affect SecuGen? And are you still feeling the effects of Touch ID? It's hard, you know, the latter part of that question, it's hard to answer whether we're still feeling the effects. I think, um, as you as you imply, um, the impact of Apple's launch of Touch ID and then the subsequent introduction of fingerprint sensors on virtually every cell phone, many laptops, and lots of tablets has um, made, you know, has been educational for the average consumer. What I what I don't think is happening is that there's a huge consumer market growing. But what it's done is to make those consumers um, more accepting of fingerprint technology at work, which was something that needed to happen. Um, and I think in the U.S. there used to be a great deal of resistance to fingerprint technology in the workplace. And I think that's been uh, that resistance has been fading away with the use of these uh, fingerprint sensors on cell phones and other uh, personal devices. But I don't think, and I, uh, I would ask you also, I don't know many people, maybe I don't know any people who have gone out and purchased a fingerprint reader uh, for their own personal use. And I'm talking about friends and acquaintances. Um, so that, that, you know, I don't, I look around, I don't see that happening. They, they all use uh, their cell phone with a fingerprint reader, but nobody has uh, bought one that I am aware of for their home desktop computer, for example. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, that it relates to um, the value of the information stored in these devices. Cell phone tends to be where most of our valuable information is. Most people don't have too much valuable, uh, or at least they don't they don't think they do because they're not running out and buying fingerprint readers. Mm -hmm. But they are accepting the use of these fingerprint readers at work and aren't complaining as they used to. Yeah, I mean, you know, to answer the question that you know you turned back on me there, I I think I agree. I th I feel like there's more of it's uh it's really been sort of a stigma busting technology people were really yep. scared about it uh especially because um and you know i don't think people necessarily connected as much anymore but touch id came out around the time that um there was the big prism scare about uh, the nsa tracking people's data and it was conflated because of the law enforcement applications and i think that just getting people to use it was a uh, was something that really benefited the industry as a whole. But I, I agree. I think people will use it if it's built into something, but it needs to sort of be a value added technology, um, which I assume right. is, you know, uh, a great advantage to to um, a channel focused company uh, like SecuGen. Um, right. I agree. Yep. Yeah. With the overall biometrics industry heating up in terms of real deployments and integrations, how does finger, a fingerprint specialist like SecuGen stay competitive in an increasingly multimodal landscape? First of all, the industry has been heated up um, for some time now in terms of real deployments. And I was getting at that before when I was talking about the, uh, the time when 500 unit deployment was uh, considered an, an enormous project. And that's not the case anymore, and it hasn't been for the last two, three, four years. 
um, I think biometrics, uh, in some sense, um, is maturing uh, fairly rapidly. Um, in terms of the mo multimodal landscape, as you put it, <clears throat> you know, we are channel driven. I, I don't want to mm -hmm. keep repeating the same uh, the same thing, but uh, you have to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, some of our customers are building multimodal products. So we view ourselves as a supplier of the fingerprint component of multimodal products. And that's how we, that's how we've been successful and how we approach it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying in your Fort Knox example. Um, it, it really does seem like supplying the technology for use in different scenarios is, is the key, right? You enable scalability by picking one thing and doing it very well in a, in a situation that, um, that could, that can integrate other things. It's more of a cooperation versus competition uh, landscape. Well, that's right. And I think at some point, if we uh, feel like we've uh, done all we can or are, are approaching that, uh, that position where we've done all we can in the fingerprint marketplace, then we'll move to something else. But I think we're, we have a ways to go. SecuGen is the world's leading provider of advanced optical fingerprint recognition technology and products, known and valued for their high quality, innovative design, and affordability. SecuGen products include the Hamster Pro and Unity lines of fingerprint scanners, as well as OEM fingerprint systems that are delivered as ultra-compact, standalone devices. SecuGen's newest products include the U20ASFX, an easily embeddable standalone OEM fingerprint sensor that combines SecuGen's FBI-certified FAP20 sensor integrated with a single-board computer sporting a 1 GHz CPU and Linux programming environment. The U20ASFX can capture fingerprint images, extract templates, and match templates on the device. It can also store up to 20,000 templates or 10,000 users at two templates per user. Visit secugen.com for more information. And now, back to the podcast. So now, let's focus specifically on the year at hand. 2019 saw Secugen attending industry events like ISC West and CES, and launching new products. Right out the gate last January, Secugen launched its first fully programmable Bluetooth-enabled fingerprint reader, how was 2019 for that new solution? Well, it was fabulous. Um, you know, understanding that our sales cycle is very long, but right now I would say there are dozens, literally dozens of pilot projects going on with the uh, Bluetooth reader. So, you know, our customers will typically get one or two units to evaluate. And uh, if they like what they see, they will then uh, procure a few more and implement a, a pilot solution before uh, then rolling it out to uh, you know end user larger end user uh, projects and that's where we're at now we, there there are dozens and dozens of uh, um, bluetooth pilots going on with our uh, unity 20 bluetooth reader fantastic yeah i mean there are two things that i'd like to to mention while we're on the unity 20 bluetooth uh one is uh the role of design um I mean, the, the thing actually looks quite nice, which is not the case for every Bluetooth reader. Um, and so I'm wondering, um, what is the role of, of having something that is aesthetically pleasing as well as ergonomically functional? Well, I think it's uh, critical. And uh, you, you've mentioned Apple. I think Apple taught the world 
that mm -hmm. um, you know people want something that looks good on their desk in their pocket um, and I think we we've learned that lesson and when we when it came to design this product we uh, were, were relentless really we rejected quite a few proposed designs till we found one that was aesthetically pleasing and I think it matters I think uh, that if you're going to ask people to uh, use a new technology um, have something that they're proud or happy to have on their desk or in their pocket is important. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, you know, mentioning Apple, um, I believe shortly after the, the launch of the Unity 20 Bluetooth, uh, you announced that it is uh, compatible now with the uh, iOS. Um, how did that affect the acceptance of it? And um, how did that change, change the value proposition? Well, I think it was very important. I think we've been looking uh, for a way to support iOS. It's not always easy to do. And, um, you know, we found uh, with the introduction of the iOS version of the Unity 20 Bluetooth that quite a few of our partners have uh, customers using, you know, wanting support for iOS. So uh, it's early. Um, we only released it a few months ago, but uh, it looks very promising for that that product. SecuGen set a world record in April releasing the world's smallest programmable fingerprint module. What can you tell me about the importance of that achievement? Well, you know, this this is a, a something that we've been doing from our beginnings. We we had at first a very tall sensor and I think most of the industry had this, you know, the optical uh, fingerprint uh, industry had this had a similar looking sensor and we knew that in order to um, win projects where we needed to be embedded in devices, the smaller we could make the sensor, the, the more devices we would fit into. And so the first thing we did we, is that our engineers came up with uh, the U20, which is in our Hamster Pro 20 uh, reader. And that's a FAP20 sensor, and it's uh, less than half the height of the older, taller sensor. Um, and then we pushed that even further to the uh, U10, which is uh, FAP10 certified and about uh, 13 or slightly less than 13 millimeters thick. And what this has done is it allows us to uh, sell into handheld device markets, someplace that we could never work before. But we have a number of projects going on for tablets, hand, uh, handheld uh uh, rugged handheld devices, various equipment like that. But basically, the size, the real estate, is what drove that. When when you're when you're selling to the OEM marketplace, the size of the sensor is critical in determining which products you could possibly embed it in, be embedded mm -hmm. into. And so, and I'm so I'm assuming that with uh, IoT starting to actually you know gain momentum here, that's a really strong channel for you. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, we've been working on that, you know, as, as you know, these things are worked on for quite a while before they're released. Absolutely. Uh, when you finally see the product, it may have been in the lab for two or three years already. So we, we weren't necessarily targeting IoT, but it's clearly a, uh, this U10 sensor helps us in that regard. I think it's, uh, you know, a product that will be uh, pushed into that market. Um, I'd like to say a little bit about, uh, since we're talking about um, 2019, I think this really is a 2019 and, and, and a little bit before. Uh, 
where, uh, and I mentioned this, how we um, put a single board computer of our own design uh, on the bottom of our sensors. And this has been, this is very versatile and has allowed us to develop a variety of products, including the Bluetooth product, but also quite a few others. You know, we have now uh, developed and will soon release a, um, a USB product, but a USB reader that is not a passive device, but it has a, a um, programming environment on it and can do the uh, capture template extraction and matching right on the sensor. So we have a USB device like that. Um, we're built, we're working on a FIDO device and quite a few other products based on this same architecture. And um, 2019 saw um, several uh, products uh, based on this architecture. Well, that's really exciting. Uh, thanks for that preview. You know, pivoting from discussions of hardware to software. In November, Secugen also launched uh, an SDK for use with Citrix-powered virtual machines. What role does that software solution play in your overall product line? You know, I would um, like to talk about that in uh, conjunction with some of the other software. We also have a uh, an RDP plugin uh, as well as the Citrix plugin. We have a web API that uh, accelerates the development of web applications that are able to use uh, fingerprint authentication. And basically, our strategy um, is similar in the software space as it is to the hardware space in that we are building uh, tools for our channel partners. So these are all um, SDKs. They, they, they present APIs to the developer to embed these technologies in finished applications. And, um, you know, so our partners, uh, some of them were working on projects with remote desktop or with Citrix. Um, certainly many of them are building uh, web applications. And so these are just tools that we've been providing um, to assist our partners. And this is a place that we're uh, going to be putting um, uh, increasing effort. And beyond the product launches that we just spoke about, what have been some other highlights for Secugen in 2019? Well, I, I think, you know, we've really just probably laid it all out already. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was um, a know, lot. <laughs> and, yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, and I think the Unity product line, which is what we call the combination of the uh, programming environment with the sensor, that is really um, the biggest, uh, the biggest event, the biggest highlight of 2019, probably also of 2018, and it probably will be in 2020 because you're going to see a number of products. I haven't mentioned them all. Uh, I really don't want to sc scoop us on all these products, <laughs> but we're working on quite a few things based on this technology. And this technology is also available to customers. Uh, that programming environment and the extensibility. Is, a, is available to customers who want to build their own custom solutions. Well, you know, on that note, looking to the new year, uh, again, without, without spoiling any surprises that you have in store, what can we expect next from SecuGen? Well, uh, you know, I'll just summarize what we just said, and I think uh, mm -hmm. more, more software tools for our partners, and I think uh, quite a few more products based on the Unity product line using both the U20 um, FAP20 sensor and the U10 FAP10 sensor. I mean, both of those uh, 
have a Unity counterpart uh, for the U20, it's the U20ASF. And for the U10, it's the U10SF. And uh, those are the programmable versions of the sensors. And uh, so I think that's that's what you'll see from us next year. Other than that, I think it's uh, what all good companies try to do, and that's to execute, uh, execute, execute, execute. Um, try to do the right thing and um, um, help our customers the best we can to build uh, successful products and implement successful projects. That's where we want to be. Fantastic. Well, I agree. And I think it's all very exciting. I can't wait to see what you have in store. Jeff, how can listeners get in contact with you to learn more? Uh, very simply, just give me a call anytime. Uh, 760-659-6644. And uh, I'd be happy to, uh, to talk. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I had a, a great time and uh, all best of luck in the new year. Thank you. Same to you, uh, Peter. Uh, happy holidays and a happy new year. And I'll talk to you soon. You take care. And so concludes my conversation with Jeff Brown, Vice President of Sales for SecuGen. Anyone interested in becoming a SecuGen partner, please contact them at sales at secugen.com. To learn more about optical fingerprint recognition and the topics we spoke about, visit secugen.com. And be sure to visit finebiometrics.com to read our year-in-review featured coverage, in which our expert editorial team is analyzing the intriguing results from our recently complete year-in-review survey. I want to thank Jeff again for joining me on this episode. Our podcast theme music is by Logamred. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast. <laughs>